Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, Mark Striegel here of Talking Metal. Thanks so much for joining me. Tonight we're going to do something a little different. We're going to listen to a bunch of podcasters. Uh, I'm one of them. And uh, we all got together recently on the classic metal show live stream the saturday night live show and had a podcasting summit and this was organized by chris aiken a big thanks to him for doing that and uh yeah it's great it's a great listen hopefully you'll have a chance to check out some of the the other guys their shows we'll have them linked through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and uh, yeah, I had fun doing this and I was a couple beers in by the time it started. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, which always makes for a good show. Well, not always, but I think, uh, you know, this was a fun chat. So you let me know what you think and check out these other guys. They have some great podcasts. There's a lot of great stuff out there, non-corporate stuff. And um, I think it's important that we all support each other in the podcasting world. Again, special thanks to Chris Aiken for inviting me to be a part of it. I'm currently reading Chris's book, Call Me Chris, which is all about his accident, which is something I never really knew much about. I feel like I maybe heard him mention it once or twice on the show, but I never really knew the extent of it and how incredibly serious it was. And this is, I'll admit this book, it's, it's a fascinating, intense read. Uh, at times there's parts of it that are difficult to read because he goes into um, a lot of detail about his healing after this uh, gruesome accident that he had back in the 90s. So check it out. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm 150 pages in right now. Good read. And again, Chris Aiken is the guy hosting this podcast tonight. It's no secret that he and I, for a long time, weren't the best of friends, uh, to put it mildly. Um, and, and, you know, I have to say that one thing I did learn from, from Chris or from my dealings with him is when, when you got a problem with somebody or they have a problem with you or you both have problems with each other, sometimes the best thing to do 
is to just sit down man to man and, and talk it out. And, uh, I, I have to admit that was a life lesson that I learned, um, in from Chris really, because I, I, you know, I sat down, uh, via email and we just started talking about the issues we have with each other. And now we're here and we're actually, you know, going on each other's shows and, and getting along. So I, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. So having said that, let's check out the podcasting summit again, organized by Chris Aiken of the classic metal show. And we're listening to this here on talking metal. Check it out and stay tuned because on the very next episode, we have news on Nitro from Michael Badio, Michelangelo Badio, recently announced that uh, Chris Adler from Lamb of God is playing with Nitro. So we're going to hear all about that on the very next episode. But right now, let's get into the podcasting summit. Let me see. Who do we got here? First of all, we are doing the first podcast summit. I know this is sloppy as fuck, but whatever. Um, on the line with uh, John and Joe and myself is uh, Mark Striggle. Hello, Mark. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. Can you can you say something to absolutely hate? Like, oh, fuck you, man, because you guys are still supposed to hate each other. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. G- give me a minute. I'll talk with them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, of course, um, Joshua Toomey is in here, I believe, as well, from the uh, Talk To Me podcast. What's up, man? What's going on, Chris? How are you tonight? Drunk, but all good. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> nice. and and Victor, I believe, is with us as well. Are you there, Victor? I am here, sir. Hello from um, from the other side of the world, man. How are you? I am doing well. Wow, this is going to be great. You guys are really talkative tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're just well, waiting on if we're allowed to talk, right? Here. <laughs> well, here, here's what we'll do. I will be the leader of the pack here and ask some questions. The, I, I have a motive behind this, and um, the motive is pretty simple. Um, I love podcasting, you know, not, not just because I do it, but because I... I am one of these guys that has absolutely given up on radio completely. Satellite radio, terrestrial radio, radio is gone for me. For me, it's all about podcasts and it's all about online. Um, and it's the, to me, it's probably the wave of the future um, for a lot of reasons. For one, the fact that you can say fuck and get away with it is, is a positive. You know, <laughs> it, it just is, it, you know, because that's how people talk. Um but also because podcasters really don't try to do the corporate thing. None of us are driven by money. Unless I'm wrong, there isn't a one of us that's only making our living doing podcasting. And um, so it, it's kind of like a, a passion thing. But at the same time, it, it's, it's one of those rare passion things where you can reach out to mainstream stars and, um, you know, and, and have something develop from it. So I think a good place to start is to maybe, um, and, and I'll throw this out to everybody, and I'll start with Mark. Um, you know, podcasting, it does take a lot more effort than people understand. Um, it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of scheduling, a lot of giving up free time to go and do it. Um, and nobody's really doing it for anything but for fun, for the most part. So, so Mark, what what is it about podcasting that made you, A, get into it, and especially you, because you... You were way in before the curve, you know, same as we were. 
you know, what made you get started with it and what makes you to c- continue to do it now? You know, it's and, and I'll definitely answer that question. But the one thing that I think you said that's so right on is it, it takes effort. It takes commitment. And I get so many people always asking me, hey, I want to set up a podcast. Hey, I want to do I want to do a podcast. I want to interview people. And and it, it's like people don't get what you said, that it takes effort. It takes a consistency. It takes, you know, commitment. And it's you know, it's not as easy. It, we, I think, I think a lot of people listen to it and think, Oh wow, these, these idiots, they can do it. I, I you know, <laughs> I can do it too. And, but a lot of, a lot of people can't cause they just don't have that commitment. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the thing that got me into it back in the day is I always wanted to have a radio show. I always wanted to talk to people talk to the rock stars I loved and ask them the questions I want to ask them, which, are a little more geeky and a little more inside than, than your average, you know, corporate FM radio guy or serious radio guy for that matter. And I just started reading about podcasts and I started thinking, you know, Hey, I I need to do one of these. And I was very inspired by, by Michael Butler of the rock and roll geek show. I'd heard his show and he would sit there and drink beer and, and talk to, you know, rock and metal stars. And I was like, if this guy is doing this, I, I should be doing this too. And, and, uh, you know, got the RSS feed set up and just started making a go of it. And before you know it, we, we had publicists, you know, coming to us saying, Hey, will you guys interview Striper? I mean, no one else was interviewing Striper at that time, you know? Right. So it was at least not many people were. So I think, um, I think it's been just, it reminds me of what fanzines were back in, you know, when we were teenagers, you know, they were these underground things that, that really dove into that style of music that we loved that wasn't mainstream. And, uh, that, that's what attracted me to it. It was just the opportunity to ask these, these rock stars questions that I wanted to do. You know, we, it took us a, a number of episodes, episodes before we could start booking guests. But once we did, it really, the, the floodgates just opened and, and it was like, I couldn't believe we were getting Engve, we were, you know, right. getting Striper, we were getting Warrant and stuff just, you know, 20 episodes in, we were getting these guys, you know? So, uh, you know, that's, that's what attracted me to it. Sure. What about you, Victor? Cause, um, I, I know you have a, you have a slightly different, uh, way that you got into it. Don't you? Um, well, <laughs> I, I got into it to be quite honest and, and I've always, um, sort of pandered towards Mark because of this. I was on the, the old talking metal forums and being the anally retentive, uh, music geek that I am, they had, Put like um, they were talking. I think it was about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they had um, incorrectly put the guitars in order. And I mentioned it on the forum. I said, "No, it actually, this is the the way that these guys were in the band. This is the order that each one of these guys was in the band." And Mark responded and said, "Well, you seem to know a lot. Why don't you do your own show?" And I wasn't sure if he meant scram kid get out of here uh, you know do your own shit and leave me alone or if it was or if he was being serious that um that he thought i should get into podcasting and i 
I mulled it over. Um, I started doing a uh, a podcast in Spanish at first because I wanted to do something different. Um, and then uh, being in the States, uh, actually for my honeymoon, I met up with Mark for the first time. And he encouraged me to do something in English, which uh, which became Mars Attacks, basically. And um, thanks to Mark's involvement and helping, you know, with that first initial push and and opening a few doors here and there uh, for me, I, I was able to uh, to kick off and do what I've done and uh, basically, uh, you know, try try to do what I can with. Uh, uh, with my shows and whatnot, and transitioned wow. into doing other stuff uh, with. Uh, I opened doors for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being able to uh, sort of piggyback on the the talking metal, you know, name initially and in, in right, along the right, way. Sure. There, okay. there are a lot of people that, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I'd go to um, ask for interviews, and people would say, "Well, you know." Uh, if you can get us on Talking Metal, you know, I'll give you the interview also. And it was like, no, right, I can, right, right. you know, I speak for myself. I want them on my show. I can ask, but Talking Metal is Mark and John. I, you know, I can do what I can to, uh, to you know, say, hey, these people want to come on the show, but I can't guarantee, you know, everything. So, yeah, so being able to um, to piggyback off of that, I mean, has helped open a lot of things and over time you know there've been certain people that I've worked with that have you know, recognized what I've done with the podcast and certain publicists as you mentioned uh that happened with Talking Metal that would come along and say hey you know I want so and so to be on on your show and whatnot so i mean it's luckily it has evolved not at the same scale obviously as Talking Metal or the classic metal show but you know i've 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 come to terms with that. It is what it is that, you know, I, as Chris said initially, you put a lot of time into it, you put a lot of effort into it, and I think after seven some odd years of doing this, I believe, um, it, it sort of is what it is, you know, it, it it's not going to, it's not going to garner a million bucks, as, as you said, Chris, as, um, as a lot of people and sort of what Mark mentioned, there are a lot of different name artists that have come along and said, Oh yeah, my fan base is so big. Right. You know, I, I can do this. That's easy. You know, everyone will come on board and, and it's not, and I can name more than one big, big name artist, quote unquote, that, you know, ditched doing shows after six to eight months because they weren't making, you know, the, the millions they thought they were going to be swimming in. So, right. Sir. Now, now, Josh, you, you, of course, have not only do you have the podcast, but you have it from a different perspective where I think the rest of us were pretty much just fans, but you've actually done it, you know, when you were out there touring with Primer 55. So you've lived it on both sides of the of the fence. So talk a little bit about, you know, your you starting starting talk to me, but also about the perspective that you have, which is quite different than, than we do going into interviews. Well, I think the main thing on this is, is I, I was lucky to get into a band that was actually touring and, and opening big shows and, and had an established name. And, and it's funny how many years later that, you know, my time in primer 55, which was, as you and I have talked about, was not the greatest of time for, for a lot of people, but, it's it's uh, garnered me a lot of uh, 
avenues and a lot of attention for the show. And then it's also given me, uh, you know, a wealth of uh, people that I can go into and say, Hey, you know, Hey, would you like to do the show? Hey man, I remember touring with you, blah, 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 and you know, making relationships and things like that. So that was, you know, kind of my in was, uh, was being able to call up old friends and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Would you like to come on be one of my first guests? And then, uh, you know, those names led to bigger names, you know, and led to, you know, the Dave Ellisons of the world and things like that getting offered to me, which I think is absolutely insane because at the end of the day, I'm just a huge music fan. You know, I was talking the other day with a guy about, you know, uh, music magazines and, you know, how I'd go to the grocery store when I didn't have any money and just sit in the magazine aisle and just sit on the floor and just read, you know, read the magazines for free and, uh, you know, go through Metal Edge and Rip and Hip Raider and all those things. And uh, and what Mark, uh, you know, Striegel was saying a second ago about, you know, how these are kind of like audio fanzines. And it, and I truly see that. And I was thinking about that was, you know, you sit down and you edit these yourselves and, you know, you do everything yourselves. And, you know, it's cut and paste, almost like, you know, you were sitting at the Kinko's at 4 a.m., right. you know, putting together your old fanzine. And, uh, you know, I've always loved that, too. And then, you know, with, with talking about how, how much goes into the show it's like you know the show could be an hour and a half long two hours long however however long my shows are but you know you've got to do the website twitter instagram facebook book the guest edit the guest interview the guest it's 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 almost like a part-time job almost a full-time second job uh that you know not a lot of not a lot of people see which i think is a uh, you know looking looking you know uh, i guess from this side of it you know looking at you got you guys shows makes me appreciate them so much more. <laughs> well, that's sad to say if you're if you're feeling influence from me. <laughs> 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 well, let let, let me a, go. You know, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying you know, one thing I like about you guys the show is, you know, you guys do it kind of all at once, you know, in a 6-hour uh 5-6 hour span and then chop it up so people have stuff to listen to each day, you know, to where mine is uh, you know, once a week. I do like what you guys do, how you guys chop it up and have, uh, you know, episodes throughout the week. Sure. Well, thanks. Well, let, let me go a different way with, with you, uh, Joe. Um, Joe, um, Joe is a, um, he does a show on a, on a different, a slightly different platform from the traditional podcasting. He does, he does his show on, um, so, on Songcast, which is songcast.com. And, um, it's, it's really much more geared away from the big artists and toward the independent artists. And, and quite honestly, Joe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, the way the industry is going these days, I really think what you guys are doing by giving kind of a mainstream push to unsigned and independent artists might just be the next wave of how these new bands are going to be found. Cause clearly the way it's going now you know, it's four million publicists promoting six billion bands on label, quote unquote, labels out of people's basements. And no, none of them are getting popular, but indies are more and more rising up. So talk a little bit about Songcast as well as, you know, what you're seeing from the independent scene and how the audience is morphing toward that somewhat. Well, Songcast started out as a digital distributor for artists. Okay. We'll take your single, your album, put it on a number of different platforms, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, right. on and on, Google Play. And uh, then we collect the money for the artist, turn it over to the artist, so on and so forth. And the network of artists that we have 
grew so much that the owner decided he wanted to do a digital radio platform sure. to uh, you know give exposure to all of his artists. And I had done commercial radio for 20 years and, like you, hated it with a passion <laughs> and just watched the industry swirl down the toilet and just turn to shit. Right. And uh, had the chance to do this, and I quit my commercial radio job to start doing radio shows for Songcast, and I'm actually making more money doing this than I was in commercial radio. Right. So it's been a great thing for me, and we have about 20 different genres. We have a metal channel, rock, jazz, country, blues. 20 different genres it's all commercial free it's free to stream and it's basically indie artists from around the world I mean, right. countries i haven't even heard of uh, <laughs> from everywhere around the planet we have artists tens of thousands of artists and it's just a great way to explore independent music and and whatever genre you're interested in you can find great great bands and right. it, it's it's really a, a a new way to discover music i think online it is, and the thing and i'm gonna stay with you for a second joe um the the thing the thing that I like about it is is it's subscription based to the bands, if I understand it correctly. Yes. But it's tiny. It's not like it's like six hundred dollars a month for the privilege oh, no, no, to be no, on. No, it's no, like no. what, ten bucks or eight, eight bucks, bucks or yeah, something? It's cheap. It's cheap. And, and they get royalty based on you actually going and doing a show. So if, if I'm in whatever band, and this is so different from you know, the old days, even ten years ago, if I'm in band X, I can sign up for eight bucks a month potentially i can get you to do a show to feature my band i can sell a thousand downloads at a buck a piece or whatever i can make eight thousand downloads and i'll make seven thousand nine hundred and ninety two dollars well, or something and, like and your that. music is also on all the major platforms like pandora like you know spotify and google right. play and amazon and itunes and all that stuff so if you were an individual artist to put your music on all those individual platforms one at a time would take a crazy amount of time. Right. And a lot of bands don't have the wherewithal or the interest in sitting down with their credit card and signing up on all these places and uploading all their sure. music. We do it all for you. You upload the music one time to us. We aggregate it out to everybody. Right. And it, it's really a great way to spread your music around. And, you know, not only will they get revenue streams from people that hear it on my radio shows, but it's also just out there and the bands right. can promote it themselves and they right. have their music for sale and they really didn't have to sign up for 40 different platforms to right. do it and really it's cheaper than even one because i know you know i've i've talked back and forth with spotify about c pulling our podcast in and it's 29 bucks it's 29 bucks every time i want to do something with spotify so basically i could do three months with you and there's my promo yeah I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. And uh, we just came out with a brand new app. We used to be web-based only, and okay. we've just come out with a new app for mobile devices, which is incredible. It hasn't been out for, for very long. Right. And uh, you can download it at songcast.com. Mm -hmm. um, there's a link to the uh, iTunes store, the uh, Google Play store, and then there's also a place where you could put in your email address and have a link emailed right to your phone. So sure. the, the app is real easy to download, and it's completely free. When you first sign up, you have a choice of our 20 or so genres. You pick the genres that you want, and that's all you'll see. So if there's, you know, if you hate jazz or you hate country you won't see any of that right now now since we're going all into all different directions i'll throw it to you john um you do the nerf herder council which is yet another different kind of podcast it strays away from the music and it goes into pop culture it goes into obviously star wars which um you know captain kirk and um mr <laughs> spock and all that stuff i was waiting fantastic. for that it's all good you know i like kirk he's good but um, <laughs> <laughs> never live that down. <laughs> but but I mean seriously, you <laughs> your your podcast kind of goes into you take an established brand and you don't leave yourself a whole lot of room 
And you literally, and, and it's the difference between what every one of us is doing so far. You can't stretch out. You know, I can stretch out and go from metal church to Ingve to Lamb of God, and, and Talking Metal does the same stuff, and Victor does the same stuff, and Josh can call his old friends in um, Flybanger or whatever, whatever band from the mid-90s he wants to. You have to kind of stay within the envelope of eight hours a movie and and really find different to- topics. So, you know, I know you're a Star Wars dork, but... Nerd. Dork. There's but, a difference between nerds and dorks, trust yeah, me. Yeah, you're the dork. No, I am not. Believe me. What is the difference between a nerd and a dork? I'm yeah, curious. really. I can actually define this very quickly. I, I, I fully admit to being a Star Wars nerd. I was waiting at the Star Wars convention three years ago to see one of the panels, and there was a kid next to me that started talking to me about the different Sith Lords, like Vader and Palpatine, and all of a sudden he starts talking about the ones from the books, and I went, to be honest with you, dude, I'm not familiar with the books. I don't know those. And he looks at me literally with contempt on his face, and he goes, you don't know all the Sith Lords. Ugh. And I was so pissed. I'm, I looked at him like, yeah, but you know what I do know how to do? How to get a woman without my credit card number, dude. So <laughs> You like, said that like that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, that guy was a dork. I'm a nerd. So. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. The definition. All right. Go ahead, sweetheart. You're always the allowed to talk. The difference between a nerd and a dork. Yes. A Cock size? Is, no. A nerd is fuckable. A nerd is fuckable? Really? Yes. So if you really liked a dork, you wouldn't give him a sympathy fuck? This is why I love my show. As soon as you bring up my show, the whole thing goes off the rails. <laughs> well, let's. I'm going to bring it back to the rails because we got a lot more questions to get to. Yeah, right. and I don't want to monopolize on your stupid-ass show. But <laughs> my question is, and you've, got, you've been doing it about a year, and you're slowly getting momentum going. And it's hard because, again, your topic is so... Defined, and there's a million, a million other Star Wars podcasts. Right. Yeah, well, there's a million other rock podcasts too. But yours is so much you can't really go out and say, you know what, I'm going to do a fucking podcast to, today on the Godfather movies. Yeah, you, you, you're really stuck into, you know, Star Wars and one specific topic. So talk a little about how you guys keep it fresh and keep it interesting without, you know, getting boring or going through the same old, same old every yeah. time. Well, I will say, and, and I've told you this before, um, I take a lot of direction from your guys' show because what you guys do is a little different. I mean, I ripped off your guys' intro. We have our own little intro as you know, people that have listened to my show, that listen to this show, know. Um, but really, I mean, there are a ton of Star Wars podcasts, and the norm in the podcasting universe for Star Wars is to discuss the current news. The current events like, well, you know, here's the latest rumor or here's the latest comic book, right. like, you know, but and we knew that. And basically what we do is, you know, my brother and I, my brother being the co-host and then our buddy Steve, the, our, our other co-host, there's three of us. We really we always sit around and bullshit Star Wars and we start having beers and drinking. We, we just start debating stuff like, you know, like. Well, you know, if Palpatine would have done this, it would have been different. No, it wouldn't have. And and AJ and I at the last Star Wars convention were like, well, you know, there has to be a market for this where it's just people bullshitting about Star Wars and giving their opinion because you you never hear that. Right. So we decided, why don't we just put a mic in front of our face, give it actual production value, which I think is the most underrated aspect of having a podcast because as you guys have stated, anybody can do a podcast. It's so mm-hmm. easy to do now, but people underrate what your production quality really means to having an actual serious podcast and people mm-hmm. taking you seriously. So um, 
we just decided to get some good equipment, make it sound good, and just sit down and go, you know what, like, w- like our last episode was, well, now we've got Rogue One, now we've got Episode 7, two movies that George Lucas did not make. We're going to compare them and see what they did right, see what they did wrong, now that George Lucas is not involved. Instead of going, well, this rumor came out about Episode 8, like, no, it's just like, what would you talk about, if you're a Star Wars fan, what would you talk about with your friends? And and what would you think? Like, and go ahead, I'd see you laughing, you asshole. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that was our concept. So we wanted to keep it different. And in terms of finding content that's different every week, it's really just kind of we, we research what's going on in in the news for where Star Wars is concerned. But sure. having seen the movies so much, there's always something you look at and go. Well, I got I kind of have an opinion on that and then we bring it to the table and really after we have the genesis of a little topic, we just let the conversation flow. Sure. So very cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to swing this back to I'm going to bring it to myself and I'm also <laughs> going to bring it to um to Mark because uh yes. to to my to my knowledge, we're the only two that I think have done a similar type of a thing here. And I could be wrong, and if I am, somebody jump in and tell me. But um the one thing that that we have both had a the opportunities to do and b have done is some live performance stuff and and mark i right. will definitely ask you to talk about the hassles of doing that because you actually played in the bands and you know me i just sat behind a desk and got drunk at a bar and did it but um right. they are these are the to do something live to actually go into a club and broadcast bands and switch back and forth between the band and and on stage and off stage and you know try to do uh for us it was five six hour shows of um uh, was a monumental task you know with computers and getting internet right and you know getting mic checks and mic checks from the stage and uh, it was just unbelievably difficult for us and we did uh, we've done eight ten live live events and you know for me it was very hard to do i'm curious for you because you did you guys did so many of those performance ones where it was you know you guys you and john would team up with you know blitz from overkill and you know and and i don't know and, and this drummer and that drummer like name guys Talk right. about how difficult that was, not necessarily to do the jams, because let's face it, you you know, if you're a musician, you can play certain songs, but scheduling, getting everybody on board, getting labels to not bitch that you're using their artist, you know, talk a little bit about how difficult those live performance things that you guys were doing were. Well, you know, when we, when we, we did two rounds of it, and the first time we did it, we were doing it with this uh, television station, Fuse, and th- then it, it was it wasn't that difficult. I mean, we had to learn the songs, and and it was on a a, a big major platform, and everyone agreed to do it in this moment. You know, Anthrax, Bobby Blitz, uh, Exodus. And it, it, you know, it wasn't all that difficult. It wasn't, we weren't streaming it live. It was, it was recorded and, you know, there was a pro tools rig and that wasn't that hard, honestly, for me personally. However, then a number of years later in 2012, I, I, you know, I was saying, Hey, we're getting 300,000 views on those, those 
live Talking Metal jams on YouTube. Let's do more of them. And this time, it was Talking Metal independent, you know. And, and, and then it was, it was a lot harder. You know, people weren't lining up to come jam with us. And, right. you know, we had, it was more like we called on our friends. We had Rob Dukes and, and Dan Lorenzo and Ron Lipnicki from Overkill and, and some other guys. And, and that was, that was much more difficult because I, I of course had, had to pay out of pocket uh, to have a guy come in with a pro tools rig and record it. And, um, you know, line up a, a studio in, in New York city to, to do it. and, it was a, a ton of effort and, uh, you know, I'm proud of the way this stuff turned out, but uh, again, it's, uh, it, it was a, it was a lot of effort, which, you know, this kind of goes off in a different direction, but the thing that drives me ab- absolutely crazy, uh, uh, about these publicists, about these labels and even the musicians themselves, as much as we love them is that they, are so impressed by corporate America. Right, right. Uh, so as soon as you say, hey, hey, this is going to be on Sirius, or this is going to be on uh, MTV or VH1, or, or this is going to, you know, this is somehow going to be on, I mean, even the iHeartRadio, I mean, I think all our sh- shows probably stream on iHeart now, right. or at least are rebroadcast on iHeart. It's like these, these artists and publicists, are, they're so fucking stupid. It's just like, as soon as they hear a name, like our <laughs> iHeartRadio, they get a big fucking heart on, they want to, <laughs> you know, give you the artist. But it's so, so the, the one thing I remember most about those talking metal jams is we did them, we did them with fuse. We did them without fuse and they were extremely difficult uh, without fuse. And it was because we couldn't, I mean, I remember a guy like Russell Allen, uh, you know, not to, not to call people out, but he, he was going to do it. But as soon as he found out that no, Oh, these aren't going to be on fuse or these aren't going to be on, or it may have been his publicist that found it out, not him, right. but they canceled and they didn't do it. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's always difficult when you try to do these things on your own. I can imagine with, you know, the classic metal show trying to do a live stream on your own without a corporate company behind you doing it. It's, it's gotta be difficult and hard to, hard to pull it off. Well, and it really, the, the thing that, you know, they're always fun. And Lord knows there's been many occasions when I've gotten a little too drunk at these things. But um, the piece people do not realize is that if for us, when we did live ones and we did, we've done, I think, roughly 10 live ones where where we had bands, national bands, friends, not not always national bands. We had fun just doing it. What people don't realize is, you know, for a nine o'clock start, we had to be at the club at six at like three o'clock in the afternoon to get in there, to get all the, the laptop set up to run a feed from the board, to test the internet, which was always shit. You know, it might be better these days, but you know, the last one we did, we were doing it off of a, you know, off of a Wi-Fi from a DSL and trying to broadcast to, you know, three, 4,000 people. It was, you know, there's a lot of technical that goes into it. And, and it, it, it's very difficult to do. And, and you're right. The the publicists, they don't want to hear anything about it. It might. Do you think and I'll ask Mark this and, I, and I'll throw this to anybody really after Mark answers. But 
do you think that now that podcasting has become a much more legitimate medium that it's going to be less less difficult to get bands or do you think it's still going to be people that are like well if you're not Eddie Trunk fuck you uh yeah it it's it's a tough question you know it's like uh, you know we've tried to get any member of Metallica for years and and I've I've just been totally unsuccessful in that and I actually remember speaking with with uh Kurt Hammett's assistant I, I had gotten his cell phone number and and cold called him literally, which is kind of <laughs> bold to do and just <laughs> ask, ask him if I could get Kurt Hammond on on talking metal. And he was like, "What? Well, what's this?" And I was like, "It's a podcast." And he was like, "Oh, we don't we don't do podcasts, you know. We're we're, we're looking we look for big media outlets," which I thought was was such bullshit because this is supposed to be a band that was all about the fans and uh, all you know they they. You know, even Lars still has a relationship with Bob Nelbandian, and it's because of Bob's fanzine back, you right. know, decades ago. And it's just funny that how they totally turned their their back on on uh, the the fan based media outlets that are run by the fans. You know, so you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question, kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's just like okay. you know, oh, actually, it's. Uh, What's that? Go ahead. No, I said, I'll actually jump in here. And actually, I posted about this the yeah, other day. Was, uh, you know, with Metallica's last album, uh, you know, Hardwired came out, and James goes on Joe Rogan. Uh, James and Kirk were on The Nerdist. Uh, James was on uh, Mark Marin. And I, I'd actually, you know, jokingly posted, I was like, thanks, Metallica, for looking out for the actual metal podcast. You know, it was, it was really strange to see those guys, you know, go on all the huge ones. But, uh, you know, I doubt. Uh, any of us, you know, are going to get any of those guys anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. I mean, that, yeah. to me, to me, if I could throw something in here, that kind of surprises me with bands of that level, especially guys like Metallica, who were like the ultimate DIY band back in the early '80s. Like, they don't need the exposure anymore. It's like that's that's one of those bands, and maybe I'm just kind of grandstanding here for those of us little guys. But you are you well. It would seem like it'd be kind of a cool opportunity for them to kind of reach a more grassroots audience that might not be into them because everyone's going to listen to Eddie Trunk. Everyone's going to listen to Joe Rogan. But I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like they would be more open. A band of that size where they don't have to use it for a promotional vehicle would be more open to going on a show like one of your guys' shows. I don't know. That's, I'm surprised they wouldn't do that. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you the answer I've been given. I don't believe it necessarily. I, I, a, I don't believe the bands know at all. But the answer that I've been given, and as you know, John, I, I have a friendship with uh, Jason. So whenever Metallica was in town, when Jason was in the band, I always had the hookup, which was great. Right. You know, I could always get Jason on my show just by literally calling him. And, and that was awesome, you know. And that really, that helped both the classic metal show and it helped the metal show that I was doing on WMMS back in the day because I had a, you know, a, a pipeline to the biggest band in the world. That being said, what the publicist will tell you now is why should they do 10 podcasts that'll get 25,000 listens when they can do Rogan and get 500,000 listens. So for them, they always go with the, well, we're just going to do the big ones. So that we can get fruit. Yeah, we, we can do 10 interviews instead of 50 and reach the same number of people. Yeah, I just, for a band like Metallica, I think at some point, 
at least if I was in their position, and, and I'll never, I never will be known. None of us will be. But it just seems like why not take those requests here and there? I mean, it's especially knowing where they came from. I, I don't know. Because they're rich, man. That's <laughs> why so they don't need to worry about going on trunk. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I want to move into a topic that I think most of us have dealt with. Um, Joe, I know you have. I have. Mark, I know you have. I think we all have. And I'll start with Josh, but we'll, we'll kind of leave this one open to whoever wants to jump in on it. Let's talk about controversial interviews and when guys say stupid shit that they shouldn't say. Uh, Josh, you are the most recent victim, which is why I went with you, with your um, Keith Caputo, Mina Caputo, whatever we're calling that today, um, <laughs> said some bizarro shit. I mean, absolutely bizarro stuff. And now you have to kind of answer the questions for it because the, the audience, and it's the unique thing about podcasting, the audience can't go to that to Mina and ask, well, what did you mean when you said that people are really jerking off to me? You know, you know, they're going to come to you <laughs> right. because they can reach you. They can actually throw something on Twitter or whatever, and you'll answer it. So talk about what what happens when you get an artist saying some crazy shit. Are you happy about it? Are you are you know are you apprehensive that you have to kind of put your name on that? You know where where do you fall with that? Well, I mean, honestly, when when people come on and they you know say something crazy like you know Mina talking about uh, the people that don't uh, approve of her lifestyle and everything else are just secretly going home and jerking off to photos of her on the internet. You know, that's obviously, you know, when you're in the interview and you hear that coming through the headphones, you're like, Oh my God, that's insanity. You know, and then Glenn Benton coming on a while back and telling Corey, Corey Taylor to blow him all that stuff. And you, you honestly, I love it. I, I love the, the headlines and I love the, you know, honestly, I thought it was kind of funny that, the Mina Caputo episode actually didn't get any kind of blabbermouth love, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll still talk about that. But um, that episode brought a lot of people to the show. And that episode brought a lot of messages to me, text messages from friends that I hadn't talked to in a little while. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't mind answering those questions. And, you know, I, I somewhat, you know, I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of, um, you know, I asked if, if she was worried about, you know, going through the hormone changes was, you know, was she ever worried about losing her voice? You know, I don't think a lot of people are going to ask that question. And, uh, you know, I, you kind of have to be a little bit fearless, especially in some of those topics to ask those questions and not, uh, you know, pussyfoot around, you know, the answers or the, the questions of those people. So in all honesty, I, I love, um, a little bit of controversy. I think it, uh, adds, adds a lot of fun. You know, it's not your typical, uh, you know, what was the inspiration behind that song? Uh, what what was it like playing with uh, Pantera? What was it like? You know, any of those questions, it's not like that. You know, when you can uh, truly sit down and ask somebody, you know, uh, off the wall question such as, you know, uh, were you worried about losing your deep voice <laughs> taking uh, estrogen? You know, that's, right. that's got to be insane. Go ahead, Victor. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, this is... Um, um, not a difficult question, but this is sort of the, the catalyst for me going on and, and starting Ear Peeler because what Josh just mentioned, um, he had a, a great interview and uh, certain outlets didn't pick up on it. And, and I'm surprised that they didn't because they're always waiting for, 
you know, well, Lars Ulrich wanted to give me a reach around an 86 type of a headline. <laughs> and unless you have that, they're not carrying, you know, your, your interviews on the quote unquote bigger or classic sites, which is a shame because there's, as we referenced before, there's a lot of shows that uh, hosts put a lot of work into doing what they do. Um, I had an instance where, for example, I talked to John Bush and, and talked about a variety of different things, including some of the stuff with Anthrax. And one of my questions was, why did it make sense for him to join uh, Anthrax and not Metallica? And he went on and, and talked about you know his, his reasons. And that was like one of the only things that was ever picked up. And it, uh, you know, it's cool that they come on and divulge certain things. Uh, with us are controversial things, but it also sort of sucks to another extent that you get something like that and you're like, wow, this is gold. There is no way that, you know, that this isn't going to be picked up. There is no way that, you know, this isn't going to get X amount of, of downloads. And then all of a sudden you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And, you know, <laughs> you're, 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 you're left with blue balls per se, waiting for that interview to, to take off or whatever, when you think you have something great, you know, that, that you've released and it just, it, it just doesn't get the notoriety that certain things do. And you sort of don't know why. So uh, again, and, I and when you, to when, myself here. go ahead. And Victor, when, when you talk about, I mean, when you talk about taking uh, an interview, taking off and going someplace and blowing up to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about one website because yep. let's face it. Blabbermouth is the website that, that has to pick this shit up for it to go viral. Not always, but, but usually, I mean, I've had brave words and who I love. I love Tim at brave words, a friend of mine, but, but, Brave Words picking something up and and Blabbermouth picking something up. To me, the difference is thousands of additional downloads and streams, and, sure. and, and half the people won't even download and stream it. Uh, they'll just read what Blabbermouth transcribed from yeah. your interview. I mean, to me, that and, – and I have so much – you know, through the years, I've had so, so much frustration where it's like uh, I feel like I have some big scoop and Blabbermouth just – completely ignores it and other times they pick up a story that I, I, I just I don't even understand why they're picking it up because I don't think it's newsworthy of course I'm always happy when they pick up one of my things but it's just like uh, blabbermouth is uh, you know to me the the one website that I'm always hoping is going to pick stuff up but also I, I fucking you know get fucking pissed off when they and they don't pick up <laughs> stuff that I consider newsworthy or, or good. Right. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I really well there have been many episodes where they've, they've picked up stuff from my show, and what I think is going to be the blabbermouth clickbait, they go with something completely different and, yeah. and almost oh, not clickbait at all. Same here. It's, so, yeah, and, and blabbermouth to me, you know, like I'll, I'll take you back on what you said. You know, it is a difference of thousands of listens. I've, I've had episodes get picked up by like the PRP and then maybe like Loudwire and Loudwire has, you know, almost uh, half a million more followers on Facebook, but that episode, you know, it'll, it'll do well, but it won't do blabbermouth well. But as soon as you can just watch it, 
if you watch your numbers and Blabbermouth picks something up, you can just, you know, click refresh and it's like, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds over and over. It's crazy how, how much power Blabbermouth has, especially for, for the podcast interview world. Right. Yeah. And, and Loudwire is a crazy thing, too, because they have offices in, in midtown Manhattan that are like they, they have to just be, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month to, to, to rent the office space and a big staff. I mean, I have no clue how, how Loudwire stays in business. I, I have no clue because they, they're they're spending you know, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, a month, uh, to stay in business. Uh, it's a, very much a mystery. I, I like the website, but I, I scratch my head over stuff like that. Right. Go ahead. Joe. Isn't that the same with all the New York uh-huh. based, uh, things with loud no, wire, metal injection and, and all of them? No, no metal injection, metal sucks. Those are those are small operations, and they're guys in their apartments in in you know Brooklyn, and they're they're very you, you know not corporate. They're 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 small based um, operations, and it makes sense that how you know they work sixty hours a week on that website. It's like two guys, you know. Uh, but Loudwire to me is a complete mystery as. Even Blabbermouth. I mean, it doesn't seem like they have a, a, a super big staff. I know. I mean, doesn't Atlantic Records or something own Blabbermouth at this point? So I know there's there's definitely some corporate money involved, but um, I might be wrong on that. But that's what I've heard. But Loudwire is a, very much a mystery to me. I haven't really had that much experience with it on my podcast since I'm dealing with indie artists, but I did have it happen fairly regularly, especially when I was out of state doing commercial radio and doing a metal show on commercial radio. Right. And uh, anytime you hear that stuff going through the headphones where you know that the person is extra fucked up or they're saying something that's just beyond what they would say when they're in their sane mind, I always love that because you knew it was going to generate a ton of publicity and any publicity is great. Sure. Um, Ricky Metlock's talking about jerking off. Fine by me. You know, <laughs> that's just gonna that's gonna hit the newspaper, and it's gonna it's gonna make more people listen. But I'm not really dealing with a lot of major label and, and superstar artists on my podcast, so I really haven't had a whole lot of that happen through Songcast. John, have you had that with your big R two D two interview? <laughs> I, I have not. C three PO tell you to fuck off. I, I would like I said the only the only interview. Does he that, have a squeaky elbow from jerking it? <laughs> hey, look the the only the only interview I've ever done Star Wars related is actually an absolutely enormous interview Star Wars related, and it was completely at random eating lunch at a Star Wars convention, and Ben Burt, who's who literally ah, is Ben like, Burt. Yeah, well, exactly. He's he's one of he basically is the father of modern movie sound and he he did all the original sounds for Star Wars and it did all, all right, the moving original on six movies. From this question. No, I'm saying I I sat he he ran he's like hey do you guys got a seat at your table and I was like yeah and he sat down we're just bullshitting with Ben Burt so I got to talk to him and this was years ago and of course there's no mics and it was so I have no cool stories except for that <laughs> it's like you know it's I I don't have any any experience in that kind of thing right well um. One that we've all had, and John, you've had this too when you worked for Music's Bottom Line back in the day. So we've all had this one. And I'm going to throw this out. Um, I'm going to have Victor answer it first, and then we'll just kind of go around the room here. Let's um, let's talk about the nightmare interview. Ha. We've all had it. We've all hated it. We've all struggled our way through it. So, Victor, you don't have to say who it was unless you want to, but talk about your worst nightmare that you've had interview-wise. 
Uh, well, there, there there are two, and one actually happened this week. I sort of mentioned <laughs> it to uh, to Josh and uh, and Mark before we we went on air. But the the absolute worst, I would say, is someone who got their notoriety, and and some people will know who this is, but I'm not going to mention mention him by name. He got his notoriety from singing with a former member of KISS. And so I have all these questions lined up for this guy. And in about seven seconds, he basically says, uh, well, you know, so-and-so was, was good to me, and I'm not going to answer any more questions for him. And I was like, well, what sort of like, why else are you on here then? I really have nothing else for you. And he winds up by saying, well, you know, there's another thing I could tell you about. I helped write the ending theme to the to SpongeBob SquarePants. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, you know, tw- 20 minutes of allotted time basically went to, I don't know, like seven or eight minutes because he didn't want to answer anything that, uh, that I had lined up for him. And, um... Earlier this week, I had someone that uh, that you guys had on recently, who was just a nightmare to convince him to to come on the phone. I um, I had actually had to call him like five times, five times, uh, one night where he stood me up, and then five times then I kept getting excuses from him to call him back in a few minutes till till I got him on, and and when I when one of my first questions was how I dug a certain album. Yeah, that's definitely not one of my best albums. It's like, okay, well then, <laughs> where's this going? I ended up cutting out like five questions in interview because I just wanted to get off the phone. I, it's just one of those things where it's like, fuck it. This, is, this isn't going the way that I, that I want. And, and similar to what you know, we're all saying, this is going to be more effort than to sit here and just get some stupid fucking response out of this guy so i just <laughs> just sort of cut my losses and then the interview so right chris from decibel geek i think you have joined the party um decibel geek podcast uh chris what about you you got a nightmare story or maybe he's not here i'm not sure he's here yeah he said he's, he says i'm not gonna in the chat room, or the the chat we have going on, he said, "I'm not going to make it in time uh, tonight, guys." Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell my story, and then we'll, and then, and then, Mark, I, you can go after after this. <clears throat> Mine actually is not a podcast story. This is back when I owned um, Music's Bottom Line, which was um, it was a print magazine. Came out every two weeks, and, um, and and this is one of these where the publicist offered me X, and then fucking pulled the rug out from under me. It, it, the and music's bottom line so that people know was not only metal it was anything and basically i had a bunch of metal guys and me so i was the one that interviewed every non-metal band there was because i was the only one that would listen to it so the publicist offers me the backstreet boys and this is when the fucking backstreet boys were huge you know and i was like all right i can move some papers with the backstreet boys you know, sold out show at the at at the time the Gund Arena, so they've sold twenty thousand tickets. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely do this. Well, the publicist tells me, well, we'll let you interview the Backstreet Boys, but you have to interview the opening band too. And I was like, okay, sure. 
And the opening band was this chick named Michaela. And she never went anywhere, quite obviously. But I interviewed Michaela. Nice girl. She was young. She was like 15, 16 years old. It was like Arista Records version of Britney Spears, kind of. But not nearly as talented or hot. So it was like... It was, I do this interview with this girl who has nothing to say. Everything, every question I asked her was, you know, I don't know. My dad handles all that. (laughs) Every fucking question was that. So I do like 20 minutes trying to find something with Michaela. Don't find anything. And at the end of the interview, Michaela says to me, you know, I, I, I do the typical, well, thanks for your time, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, well, I don't let anybody end an interview with me unless I sing to them. I remember this one. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to sing. And she goes into like a stage intro. She's like, this next song I'm going to do is is one of my favorite Christian songs of all time. This is Amazing Grace. And she sings Amazing Grace to me on, on the phone. And, and at the end of it, I was like... Was that when you became a Satanist? Yeah, <laughs> at, at, at the end of it, I didn't know what to say. So I was like, okay, thanks. You know? I mean, how do you answer that? And then, of course, of course, she was hurt that I didn't praise her. From the um, from her rendition of Amazing Grace, <laughs> called the publicist, and the publicist pulled my Backstreet Boys interview. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh man! <laughs> well, Chris, I kind of have to piggyback off of your question. I have a very quick story, and then it, it right. leads into a question for everybody. So, since All you right. know hor- horrible interview stories, so I have a horrible interview story, which which leads me to a question. So, my horrible interview story was when I took over Music's Bottom Line from you. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Head PE, and this was early 2000s. Okay. Probably like 2001, 2002. And I was recording the interview, and I think I was re- interviewing the bass player. And out of nowhere, he, he stops. He's answering one of the questions that I had about the new record, and he just starts going into this absolute tirade about two of his band members. Okay. I, th- I think I told you this story. I called you afterwards like, oh, my God, I got gold. And this guy's like, well, this dude's fucked up on drugs, and this guy was shooting up, and then this guy was looking at kitty porn. I mean, he was <laughs> dishing the worst shit you could ever imagine. I'm just sitting there going, okay, and like just getting the guy to keep talking. And he, he rambled for like 15 minutes just destroying his band. And I'm like, this is going to be the greatest interview ever. So I finished it out. I'm like, this is fantastic. And I checked the recording. And the recording device had broken about five minutes in, so I lost the whole damn thing. Oh man! So I'm like, I was like, I have no proof of this, and this is the most amazing conversation I've ever had with a musician. But have you guys ever had that where you get like absolute, like just an incredible interview, and for some reason there's no evidence of it? Has that ever happened to you guys? I did an interview with Lizzie Borden. That, that happened to me once. Yeah, that, yeah, Frankie Benelli. I did one with Lizzie Borden. Joe, Joe, then Mark. Go ahead. It was a great interview with Lizzie Borden. Track by track on the new album. Went into all kinds of detail about stuff. And it was back when my daughter was two years old. All right. Sitting in the living room, watching TV. My daughter comes walking through the living room with the cassette tape in her hand. Like, oh my gosh, Rachel, you got to give that to me. And I'm drinking this giant cup of iced tea or whatever. And she walks up to me like she's going to hand it to me and drops it right in the iced tea. (laughs) 
<laughs> worst worst interview story was for sure Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. It was a State of Euphoria tour. I was writing for a magazine and doing a radio show, and he was just a dick, just a colossal, <laughs> condescending dick. Joey? I heard he's like the nicest it's, guy ever. I, I've talked to him since then, and he was great. I don't know yeah. if he was just having a bad day, but it Probably. was the first time I interviewed him, and he was just a, a colossal ass. And about five minutes into the interview, I just screamed, fuck off, and hung up the phone. <laughs> and wow. I, had, I had requests to play that back on the air, just the last part of that where I hung up on him a bunch of times. And there was one with Ace Freely, I think it was Trouble Walking Tour, where he was so hammered on the phone that he couldn't even answer a question. So I just fucked with him the whole interview and just asked nonsense questions and, nice. and watched him try to figure out what I was saying. Right. And it was more for my amusement just to try and salvage sure. because I couldn't get anything out of, out of him. Go ahead, Mark. Well, you know, the, the the rudest guy that I ever interviewed was an actor, actually, and it wasn't for Talking Metal, but it was it was for my TV gig, a guy named Kevin Pollack, who oh, yeah. just yeah. ripped me apart, um, <laughs> made me feel like, he, he basically told me, who you know, he was like, who gave you this job? You wrote these questions? These are awful. I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, I, it, that was, it was for a sci-fi show I was working on. But as far as the podcasts go... Um, the two that that stick out, and I, I know there's probably been more than this, but the two that I, I, I can remember off the top of my head, Fieldy from Corn, so fucking rude, and it, I, we we had recorded the interview, and we wondered if we should even post it, but we did, and and of course we got all sorts of emails from people saying, oh what a what a dick, what an asshole, <laughs> and he obviously did not want to be doing the interview. Um, right. The other one, which I always wanted to ask you about, Chris, was was. Um, a guy I freaking loved and and loved his band, uh, Jizzy Jizzy Pearl, love hate yeah. and Victor. I think you did this interview with me, and he just seemed like he was not did not want to be talking to us, was not into us, uh, and and I always wondered if you know because there was a time talking metal and classic metal show didn't really get along all that what? well, and I always wondered if it, I know aren't you guys friends with him? And I always kind of wondered if it was if it was because he was. Uh, not into talking metal because he loves classic metal show or something like that. Uh, I, I, any I'll insight be, to that? I'll, I'll I'll be very honest. I never poisoned the well with any bands. I certainly sent you all my spam right. mail and all that other horse shit that I did for years. But, <laughs> right. yeah. but, but no, I, 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 I honestly even and I'll tell you the only time it was ever asked of me. I'll be very honest with you. The only time I was ever right. asked if it was OK if a band did did talking metal was when you guys talked to Don Dockin. And because I was oh, wow. work, I was Don's web guy, and Neely is, of course, friends with Don. And Don asked us if right. it was cool, and we both were like, "Yeah, go ahead." You know, you know, we're not trying to. The interview. Look, we we had we had not that I want to dig into the old feud because I don't, but um, right. there was right. there was plenty of fuel without without going that route. You know, and yeah. yeah. So yeah, the only time I was ever asked anything was by Don, and we both Neely and I both said, "Yeah, go," you know, not not a problem to us. Go, go ahead, Josh. Well, yeah. well, I guess oh, go Jizzy ahead. Pearl just an ass. Then <laughs> is, is there more than one way dick. to get the nickname Jizzy? <laughs> 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 oh, did I say dizzy? Jizzy, yeah, Jizzy. Is, is there more than one way you get that nickname? I, I can't think of more than oh. one. A chest, a glean. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, go ahead, Josh. I know you've got one. All right, actually, this is a, a, a well. The the band is, I guess, a friend of Mark's also. But uh, when I was uh, Primer Fifty Five, two thousand seven, that that tour we did, we had Frank Fonseray of Stuck Mojo on drums. So when I started the podcast, one of the guys I asked on early was Frank, and he comes on, and you know, I've got a question about uh, Frank. What's it like playing with the you know the difference between uh, Bones and Chris Jericho, which is an insane question to begin with. But you know, I was like, and I asked him something along the lines of like, what is it like to be in a band with a real singer? And what I meant by real singer was not a rapper. Okay. And Bones heard, heard that interview. <laughs> and then his guitar player in his Bones band reached out to me and said, Hey, Bones would like to come on the show and, you know, do whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, I set up the interview. We get on the interview and, and Bones and I talked for about 20 minutes prior to going quote unquote live. And as soon as I said, all right, man, well, let's do this interview. Um, he goes, he goes, all right. And I was like, so you got this new Bones record out, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, have you heard it? And he like immediately like attacks me. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, we, we, we talked for a minute and then he's like, you know, what's this real singer stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's like going in at me and I'm going back at him. And, you know, I, I don't really, I'm not going to back down to this. And, and, you know, we go back and forth and, and my wife still laughs to this day about how I truly never, ever once said to him that he was a good singer. I just kind of, you know, kept arguing with him about it. And I don't know, it was, it was, it's always been a funny episode and people still bring that up to this day about that, that interview alone, just, you know, 20 minutes of bones and I arguing about who's a better singer, him or Chris Jericho, which on every level is insanity. Right. And then going into the, uh, technical difficulties i had i had an issue with my laptop and i had an interview with biff byford and you know wherever he is in in england or whatever and and i get the interview and we finally get all the technical issues what i think is done and i do this great 20 minute interview and he's telling me all these great stories about playing uh you know early metallica shows and playing with motorhead and you know following the sex pistols or you know playing a couple days after the sex pistols and all these clubs and you know they'd have destroyed the uh, clubs and things like that and then i I listen back and it's just me like it's me asking questions and then silence (laughs) i was like motherfucker but he he graciously understood and actually redid the interview which the second time around wasn't as great, but he still was pretty good. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I had that Lizzie Borden incident, he was gracious enough to do the interview over for me as well, and I was really grateful for that. Nice. Well, here, I'll tell, I'll tell, a, I'll tell one that will probably surprise most people. John, I think you've heard this before, but everybody right. else will probably be surprised about this. My first ever hang-up, which I've had several because, believe it or not, I'm controversial. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) But um, my first ever hang-up was Don Dockin. I remember this, yep. And Ah. it was on the Shadow Life. um, They were doing press for Shadow Life. And Don was not particularly talkative. And Don's one of them guys, if you know him, he'll talk all day long. If you don't know him... It's a lot of yes, no. If you give him an option to say yes or no and he doesn't know you, he ain't expounded. He'll be, oh, so you recorded a new album. Yes. You know, it's like, all right, thanks a lot, Dick. You know, yes. but but this was this was the first time I had spoken to Don, and I, I couldn't get anywhere with him. Everything was real short answers. You know, oh, you recorded with Wynn Davis? Yeah, for the third time. Okay, thanks. You know, know, I mean, it was really a tough interview. So I I started fishing for looking for what I call conversation points. And I'm sure you guys all do this, too, where 
if you're not getting anywhere, you just start throwing questions against the wall looking for any kind of an end to talk about. Um, so I asked him what I thought was an innocuous, stupid question, which I do not ever use unless I'm really struggling. And the question was, where does this record stand in the dock and catalog? And what I was looking for was anywhere to go. And, and he goes, well, it's the best thing we've ever done. And, and I said, really? And, and he's like, you don't think so? And I said to him, I said, are you asking me my opinion? And he's like, yeah, yeah, what do you think? And I said, dude, this is the worst piece of shit you've ever done. You know, I was like, your your voice sounds terrible. George's guitars are awful. The drums sound like they're recorded still in the box. I was like, this interview or this album sucks. And he goes, well... Well, well, fuck you, man! And he hung up on me. I think, I think, I think that story speaks to wow. your ability as a salesman because after after that interview, you ended up being their webmaster and making money off of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. But well, yeah, but you know what? And and everybody, everybody on here knows this to be a true, a true statement. If you're honest with these guys, you will get a hell of a lot further than if you kiss their ass because everybody kisses their ass. If you if I mean, I mean, you don't have to be a dick, which sometimes I am. But, you know, if you're honest with them, and you just say, look, dude, that didn't move me, you know, and I liked this, but I don't like that. And you tell them honest. These guys know. They, well, I think if you can convey to them and let them know that you're a fan and they understand that you're yeah. a fan, it makes a world. Even if you ask a question that might not be as good as the fluff everybody else yeah. asks, but if it's a question that they know you're a fan, they'll sure. respond a lot better. Let me, let me tell a, a real clear, a real true story about one of the all-time legends of the game calling me out, Ronnie James Dio. I, I, and it was like oh. my, my third ever interview I'd ever done. I, I couldn't believe it. My, my first interview I ever did, Johnny Gill from New Edition. And sec, <laughs> second interview, Philip Anselmo. <laughs> third interview, Ronnie James Dio. So in my world, that's like, wow, am I up in the bar? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but I had written this horrendous in, uh, review. This was on Angry Machines. And I had killed this fucking record. I literally had written. In my summary of the record, I said, listening to Ronnie James Dio today is kind of like watching Lyle Alzado die. I said, <laughs> I, I said it was I said it was like once a once heroically strong person, now a meek shell of itself. I mean, I killed it. And I get the call to from at the time it was Scene magazine. I get the call to do the interview. And I could not have been more excited. First metal album I ever owned was was um, Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. That was the first metal album I ever had. So I was pumped to talk to Ronnie Dio. So how long after the uh, the review was the interview? Two months. Okay, so it was still fresh. It was still fresh. And and so I get on the phone, you know, my phone rings and I'm a, you know, I was still green as fuck. So I'm like, oh, hello, Mr. Dio. How are you, sir? I'm all shy and scared because it's Ronnie James Dio and it's stupid ass me. And Dio goes, is this Chris Aiken? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, are you the guy that wrote? And he literally read it back to me. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, that was he, another Chris Aiken, I, I, <laughs> that I other guy. Know, but you know what? He asked me and he read it back to me 
And I admitted it to him. I said, yeah, I did. And he, he goes, so you don't like angry machines? And I said, no, you know, and I'm a big fan and, you know, but I don't like this record. And he's, and he, he said to me, he goes, you know, maybe you didn't understand what I was going for with this record. And he took 45 minutes to talk through what he was doing. And, and I'll be honest, it didn't sell me on the record. I, was I still say, hate did the it, record. Did it still suck after no, that? The record still it? sucks to this day. It's terrible. <laughs> but but I'll tell you what, I I've never been more appreciative of anybody because this guy, I mean, Ronnie James Dio did not need to waste his time on stupid ass brand new writer at at local paper in Cleveland, and he did. And not only did he do that, but when he came to town. When, when they came on that tour, he invited me to the show, shook my hand, you know, couldn't have been nicer, introduced me to Jimmy fucking Page, no less, Holy who just shit. happened to be at the show. And from that time on, for the rest of his career, every time he played in Cleveland, I always met up with him. And he always knew my name. He he always remember, you know. And Ryan James Steele meets a million fucking people a year. He has a photographic memory. But he would. He'd be like, "Oh, Chris Aiken, how are you? How have you been? How's your wife?" He remembered I had a wife and shit. I was just like, "Wow." <laughs> you know? yeah, his his memory is crazy. I met him Angry Machines or no, I mean uh, Strange Highways, and then uh, Dehumanizer, whichever one came first. And the, the next year he did a show the same in the summer. The year after. And he remembered my name and remembered things we have talked about. So sure. I could see how he replayed that interview back to you because he probably yeah. just had it in memory. It was crazy. Well, speaking of crazy, I can't believe it, but we are already we're already like an hour and hour and a half in. So um, I think what I want to do is um, I think this has been fairly successful. It went pretty easily. Um, I think what I want to do is wrap up here, um, guys. Definitely, thank you so much for you know taking the time victor i can't even imagine what fucking time and it is in spain <laughs> but um 10 to 5 a.m 5 a.m you wow. are a trooper sir <laughs> but but um i'll start with you victor and we'll and we'll go we'll go kind of around the room um podcasting is a real deal it is the way of today and the future i think for getting your hard rock metal information as well as your your um your entertainment information it is the way that is not corporate you're not going to get a lot of you know high gloss bullshit you're just going to get the real like real fans because that's all any of us really are as real fans so victor why don't we start with you give out the plugs tell people where they can download mars attacks how they can sign up for ear peeler etc etc okay um the the easiest way is to go to marsattacksradio.com there's actually and this is the same for all of the podcasts that i've going on there are links to all the social media all the links to itunes google play rss feed so on and so forth you can find all that at the um top and the bottom of the page uh, to the right hand side you can find links to uh to ear peeler and all the other podcast that i'm currently doing um similar to john i do a, a geek related podcast called galaxy of geeks i do uh two music related podcasts um which i've currently relaunched and then another one with just me talking about basically bullshit for 15 minutes so <laughs> all that good shit is right there on um 
uh, MarsAttacksRadio.com. If you want to go directly to Earpeeler, it is Earpeeler.com. Um, basically, similar similar to what I uh, said leading into uh, what he just said. I mean, with Earpeeler, it's hard rock and metal is the main focus. Uh, everything from audio to video podcasts. Uh, we've branched out um, with uh, with different things. Also, uh, that was sort of both Chris and Mark uh, giving me the suggestions there, and I've branched out with um, a comedy podcasts, uh, other sci-fi stuff, which John's podcast is included in there as well, um, wrestling podcasts, and comedy podcasts, if I didn't mention that already. And everyone's podcast that I've mentioned, I believe, or everyone that's on here, I should say, uh, are featured on Ear Peeler. So even if it isn't on, you know, Blabbermouth or Bravebirds or whatever, I try to do my best to, um, you know, make the rounds and make everyone uh, know that each one of us have great shows and put a lot of hard work into this, and there's no reason why, if you want to hear uh, Chris's interview with uh, Phil Anselmo or Neely's with uh, Stephen Piercy or, or whatever, if you want to search by genre, artist, whatever, go to Ear Peeler and check out anything that you might be uh, interested in in looking for or turned on to new shows or, or whatnot. So there you go. Awesome. Josh, what about Talk To Me? You know, Talk To Me is available on all your fine podcast apps, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can always go to talktomepod.com. Uh, shows come out each Thursday, and I guess I'll announce this here. I haven't announced it yet, but uh, Talk To Me goes over to Uncontrolled Noise Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern. Nice. So I'll also be on Uncontrolled Noise now. Very nice. How about you, Mark? Where can we get Talking Metal? Yeah, the, the regular podcast outlets, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker. It's on iHeart. Um you know, talkingmetal.com. We have the website up there. We're we're actually kind of uh, doing some changes right now to the the website, so there will be some uh, additional content probably posted there in the next couple months. But right now, it's uh, metal raps, talking metal, and a, a show called One on One with Mitchell Fawn, which I help uh, produce and distribute. So uh, yeah, check it out, talkingmetal.com. All right, uh, John Nerfherder Council. NerfHerderCouncil.com. Uh, we are on Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, all the all the normal places. So uh, about the same. So we're we're throwing it out there. We are on the Uncontrolled Noise Network uh, coming up here real soon. Uh, Victor, got to thank you again. We are on Ear Peeler. Thanks to Victor and being gracious enough to put his our show on his network. And uh, we actually might be getting on the Retro Zap Network, which for nerd podcasts is is really big. So. Uh, Anywhere, anywhere you want to look for Star Wars podcasts, we're basically there. All right, uh, Joe. Songcast is all indie artists, so you won't hear a lot of the big name metal artists. But it's a great way to explore all types of music: metal, rock, jazz, country, blues, tons of different genres. Uh, Songcast dot com will take you right to the front page. There, you can download the uh, Apple version of the app or the Android version, or you can put your email address in, have it sent right to your phone. And uh, it's literally tens of thousands of artists from around the world, all types of genres, commercial free and free to stream. If you're tired of listening to the the same mainstream stuff and want to really explore the underground world of music. It's, it's the place to go. Sure. And, of course, the CMS is available at Pornhub.com or <laughs> LemonParty.org. So, you know, whichever one of those you um, you want to frequent, you'll, I'm sure you'll find us there. So, 
Um, all right. Well, guys, this has been really fun. Um, I definitely want to do this, you know, a couple more times. Um, I want to do it across everybody's platforms to try and get, you know, try and get the audiences to know because, you know, and unless I'm wrong, I think we all agree is it, it's tough to get it out there. It is a lot of work and we want people to hear it. That's really there's no money. None of us are. I mean, they're. I've made 60 bucks this year off the classic metal show. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there, it's, it's not like there's like some un, ungodly amount of wealth to be made. So, um, well, and that's what makes these podcasts so much better is because people are doing them because they love the music and they love doing it. It's not some douche sitting in a clear channel studio that hates his job, which comes through on the air. Everybody that's doing these loves it, and it comes through when you're listening to it, and that's what makes them so great. Certainly. Well, all right, fellas, thank you once again for doing it. Um, I am going to end with some overkill. I'm sure nobody argues that except John, who hates overkill. But I don't hate overkill. I but just... um, how about if we wrap this up with some brand new overkill? This is Goddamn Trouble. So check it out from the grinding wheel. It's Overkill right here on your classic metal show.